welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Good day to you, and thank you so much for tuning in to this Monday, this Marital Monday edition of the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where my hope for you and your family and all of your loved ones beyond your family is that all of you always avoid the downs and savor the ups. Yes, that's right. In life, as you walk through, remember uh, Tiny Tim tiptoe through the tulips? Well, okay, that's showing my age. But as you tiptoe through the tulips, I hope that you savor those fine smells and avoid the bees that might be buzzing around trying to sting you. So here we are on Marital Mondays. I am your host, Attorney Paul Samico, and I want to give a shout out very quickly to my very first sponsor, the LegalWritingLaunch.com business of a very, very fine woman, a law professor actually in California, Beverly Myers. Beverly has a legal writing skills business for undergrads, law students, lawyers, and frankly, anybody who wants to be able to learn the clarity and the precision of legal writing. So if you're interested you get 10% off just by mentioning that you heard about it on the legal merry-go-round. Get a hold of Bev by sending her an email to bev at legalwritinglaunch.com. Thank you, Bev, for your support for my show. It means the world to me. Today on Marital Mondays, I'm going to talk about the division of property when two people who are married are getting divorced. And this, uh, as many of you know, will come down uh, to who owns what, when they owned it, when they acquired it, and all different measure of things. And it depends, in fact, upon uh, the state that the individuals are in when they get married, because there's two very different sets of laws depending upon where the married couple lived when they begin the divorce. The first grouping of states, the majority of them by far, are states that follow what is called the equitable distribution process. The other, and there are eight of them, community property states. So I'm going to talk about both. Now, to a divorcing spouse, a fair and equitable division of assets and award of support may not seem fair and equitable. A hardworking spouse, say for 20 years in a marriage, who has no desire to divorce may think it's not fair and equitable to be ordered to give half of his or her pension, real property, 401k, to a less financially solvent spouse who wants to leave the relationship. Well, that happens all too often, unfortunately. The breadwinning spouse might want to try to present evidence to the court that the other spouse is at fault uh, for the end of the relationships, perhaps infidelity, 
to try to get the court to award an unequal division of the assets or not to uh, award any spousal support or alimony at all. Generally, however, in what we call no-fault states across the United States, evidence of fault related to the breakdown of the marriage is legally irrelevant, doesn't matter, and should be excluded from consideration by the court. All right, so in equitable distribution states, I'm going to get to a little bit of a definition of the equitable distribution, what that means, and the community property, what that means, the two different types of states in the U.S. But in the equitable distribution states, the court will generally divide the marital property in half, and each spouse will get one half of the total property. Now, this doesn't mean each item will be split in half. I'm sure you've seen that TV commercial where the couple are divorcing and the dog is sitting there panting and and you know and and they're looking at the dog like they're going to cut the dog in half. No, that's not what happens. Uh, one spouse might get the car and the other spouse might get the furniture. The court can give one spouse more property than the other spouse if the court has a good reason to do so. So again, there's two types of states depending upon where you live, how assets are divided. Uh, are, are very different. The equitable distribution states asks, what is marital property? In general, all property owned by either spouse is marital property. It can be property that one of them got before or after they were married. It includes all kinds of property, personal property, homes, land, bank accounts, retirement accounts, and anything else. Community property states, this means that both the husband and wife are deemed to equally own all money earned by either one of them during the marriage, even if only one spouse is employed. So in addition, all property acquired during the marriage with community money is deemed to be owned equally by both the husband and wife, or husband and husband or wife and wife in today's world, which is fine which is good, as it should be, regardless of who purchased it. In a community property state, equal ownership also applies to debts. Aha, not getting away from the debts. This means that both spouses are equally liable for debts. In most cases, this includes unpaid balances on credit cards, home mortgages, and car loan balances, things like that. Now, most states follow equitable distribution laws. In these states, again, Property acquired during the marriage belongs to the spouse who earned it. Community property, again, uh, the other side of the coin, community property is observed in the following states. By agreement in Alaska, Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington State, and Wisconsin. In these community property states, the spouses are deemed to equally own all income and assets earned or acquired during the marriage. So as an example, if you live in a community property state, anything acquired during the marriage, including the income used to fund separate accounts, is considered community property and therefore belongs to both spouses. In the case of a divorce, flipping over to the equitable distribution states, the property will be divided between the spouses in what is called a fair and equitable manner. 
Now, I'm going to get to how the courts determine what is fair and equitable in just a few minutes. But understand there's no set rule in determining who receives what or how much. The court will consider a, a variety of factors. For example, the court might look at the relative earning contributions of the spouses, the value of one spouse staying at home or raising the children, and the earning potential of each. A spouse can receive between one-third and two-thirds of the marital property. So let's talk about the equitable distribution states just for a moment. I want to ask, and then, of course, I'm going to answer, is all property subject to equitable distribution? And the answer, no. Okay, I think you've probably figured that out already because I gave you the definitions of the two different types of, of property uh, division you know, in, in our country. All property is not subject to equitable distribution. It applies only to marital property. Marital property, again, is all property acquired during the marriage. It does not include property obtained during a marriage by gift, bequest, devise, or dissent, or property otherwise provided for in a written agreement. Such property along with assets acquired before or after marriage, is considered the separate property of the acquiring spouse. So what else is important in determining marital property for purposes of dividing it equally between the parties? I'd say to you, uh, do you know if gifts given to you by your spouse during a marriage would be considered your separate property? All right, raise your hand. If you think so, okay, well, those who didn't, you're right. No. While gifts given to one spouse by a third party are considered that spouse's separate property, gifts given by one spouse to another are considered marital property, subject to the laws of equitable distribution. If you hold title to an asset, is that asset my separate property if you are one of the parties divorcing? And the answer is, unfortunately, like too many in the law, not necessarily. A court may consider title as evidence of separate property, but the title in and of itself doesn't determine whether an asset is separate or marital property. So like you might own another piece of real estate or something. Does equitable distribution mean that a court divides a marital property equally? No. An equitable division of marital property is not always an equal division. Rather, courts will divide property between spouses in a way that it considers fair. In the majority of cases, a fair division might be equal 50-50. In other cases, however, a court can decide to award one spouse a greater percentage of that marital property. So let me go through some factors in sharing with you how a court might establish a fair division of marital property. The financial condition and earning power of each spouse, the value of each spouse's separate property, including a spouse's business, business interests, retirement plans such as 401k plans, stocks, bonds, and that sort of thing. The degree to which each spouse contributed to the acquisition of marital property the degree to which each spouse contributed to the education and earning power of the other spouse. We've seen that 
one of them gives up their dreams to support the other while the other is in school, as an example. Future financial needs and liabilities of each spouse. The ages and overall health of each spouse are always important considerations. The liquidity of marital property. The existence of premarital and prenuptial agreements. These are sometimes the prenuptial, they call them prenups. I've had shows on that. If you want to go back and listen, you can learn all about those. Lastly, spousal maintenance or alimony obligations. Other things that might be considered, perhaps. My spouse was unfaithful to me. Will a court consider this and award me a greater percentage of our marital property? Nah, not happening. A court typically will not consider adultery, alcohol, or drug abuse, or even domestic violence, or involvement in other criminal activities when making an equitable distribution of marital property. A spouse's behavior will be relevant, however, if it impacts the couple's finances. So as an example, a spouse who's caught hiding or fraudulently transferring marital assets may be awarded a smaller percentage of the couple's estate. So fault uh, does not matter. Courts generally exclude evidence of a spouse's fault in a divorce trial. A court, however, may consider bad acts during the marriage if they're relevant to the court reaching a fair and equitable economic result. Some scenarios where fault could be considered uh, to reach an unequal property division include consideration of a spouse's gambling problem if he or she lost significant marital assets, infidelity where a party diverted significant income or depleted family resources on another person, a spouse's crime if the conviction resulted in the government seizure of jointly owned property, and lastly, a failure to provide support to a spouse who cares for the party's children during separation while supporting a new partner in his or her family. This is a very, very delicate concern for the people involved because ultimately how much money they get and how much money they're left with after the separation uh, can be significant. Uh, it can be very significant. It can be devastating. So if you are in a process of getting a divorce and you're concerned about how we're going to split things up, don't assume if you're in an equitable distribution state that you're going to get half. If you're in a community property state, we're going to talk about that in the second half. I am going to take a break. I hope that you have your pencils and papers or notepads out and you're taking fastidious notes, not because you need it, but because you know somebody who does and you want to help them. And then you want to really help them. You tell them that you're not a lawyer, unless you are, uh, but you want to get them into a position where they have some idea and you recommend highly because I recommend it and you're recommending my recommendation, you're following all that, that they go get a lawyer. I'll be back. So do you still have the desire or maybe you got rid of it when you were a little kid to be in the Guinness World Book of Records? You know, I always had these crazy ideas of all these things I could do to get into the Guinness World Book of Records. That would be pretty cool. The Guinness World Book of Records um, 
wanted to name federal inmate Jonathan Lee Riches as the world's most litigious man. Well, he realized they wanted to publish statistics about him, about how many lawsuits he had filed, uh, and he thought they were incorrect. So what did he do? He files a lawsuit against the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, They claimed that he had filed 5,500 lawsuits in his lifetime, but he stated it was only 4,000. So that makes 4,001. Wee, the legal system. Somebody should have put a uh, muzzle on that guy a long time ago. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up, and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. Okie dokie, I am back. And I know that you now have a fresh piece of paper to continue our lesson today about how property is divided in the United States when two people are getting divorced. This is some important stuff for those in this process, so I hope that this is of some help to you. I want to thank again LegalWritingLaunch.com, my new sponsor, uh, and Bev Myers. You can contact this woman. She is fantastic. You can be an undergrad, a law student, a lawyer, or anyone interested in learning to write legal precision, legal clarity, and it doesn't have to be legal. It can be anything with precision and clarity. Lawyers communicate often by documents, by things they write. So while we are not necessarily you know, the sharpest tools in the shed all the time, our livelihood depends upon our ability to write. And for the most part, as a group, we write pretty well. You want to learn how to do that? You get 10% off. Get a hold of Bev at her email, bev at legalwritinglaunch.com. Thank you, Bev. I hope this gets you lots and lots of uh, students. So back to this division of property, whether you're in an equitable distribution state or a community property state, there's going to be differences in laws. You should always consult a divorce attorney. 
I want to go back just to finish up a little bit. I was talking right before the break about fair and equitable uh, determinations in uh, the states that are uh, equitable distribution states. A court's analysis of a fair and equitable award is always going to focus almost exclusively on the economic conditions of the parties at the time of divorce to determine what division of resources is fair. When a court determines that one spouse would be at a significant economic disadvantage post-divorce, it can use its fair and equitable discretion to create a good and fair result. Now, courts will try to leave the parties on an equal economic footing, uh, but that's not always possible. They want to prevent negative long-term financial consequences for one or the other. I want to share um, a little bit more detail. I want to deep dive here a little bit, an example of some of these things, because it's very important to really get this clear if you're in this process of being divorced in an equitable distribution state, and there is considerable property that has to be divided up. I'm going to share information from Virginia, a state where I practice law. Uh, It's not unlike most states, I'm sure. There might be some variances from state to state across our country. But in Virginia, again, like in all states, I'm sure, there are three different types of property that a court has to determine how to equitably distribute. And based on uh, these different uh, classifications, they may or may not be involved in distributing them. So the three different types of property are, number one, separate property, number two, marital property, and number three, what is called mixed or hybrid property. So Virginia is an equitable distribution state meaning, again, that the court has the authority in any divorce to classify the property of the parties as separate, marital, or hybrid, and to distribute any jointly owned marital property between the parties and to grant a monetary award to either party to ensure an equitable distribution of marital property and debts. Now, Virginia has a law, and the court in Virginia uh, divorce cases must consider all property of the prem- of the parties, whether it's real or personal, tangible or intangible, and determine which is separate property, which is marital, and which is a separate and part uh, marital property. The court then decides how to allocate this type of properties, these different types between the parties. The factors include, among others, the contributions, monetary and non-monetary, of each party to the well-being of the family, the contributions, monetary and non-monetary, of each party in the acquisition and care and maintenance of the marital property of the parties, and then applying each of the factors, the court arrives at its equitable distribution award. In many cases, even a majority, the court applies these factors and decides upon a 50-50 split although the court can decide upon a different distribution, 60-40, 55-45, you know, whatever it might decide is fair. Whatever exact division it decides upon, the court may achieve that split by ordering the transfer of real or personal property between the parties, ordering the sale of marital property with the proceeds distributed between the parties, 
and or granting a monetary award from one party to the other. Now, importantly, the only property that is subject to equitable distribution is property that is marital and any portion that is part marital. Each party keeps their own separate property and debts. Very important to understand that. What is separate property then, you ask? You in the back, I hear you. Yes, the one raising his hand at me. Yes, I'm going to tell you right now. Calm down. Separate property, generally speaking, will be classified as separate in Virginia as property acquired before the marriage. You had a coin collection. It's yours. Property acquired after separation. Okay, you and uh, your spouse have separated, and then you go get in a coin collection. It's yours. Inherited property or property received as a gift from someone other than your spouse. Okay, Aunt Sally passed away and she gave you her farm before you got married. That's yours. Purchased property during the marriage using money from the sale of separate property. Okay, so Aunt Sally's farm that she gave you before you got married, now you sold it and you took the money from the sale of that farm and you went and bought 10 horses. The horses are yours. Property acquired during the marriage from the exchange of separate property. Income received from separate property and capital gains or increases in the value of separate property. Okay, you got all that? Property purchased during the marriage from the sale or exchange of separate property will be classified as separate property, but only if it is kept separate. So when you sold Aunt Sally's farm and then you put the money into a joint checking account or a joint savings account, it's no longer separate. Such property can become marital property if it's commingled with marital property. Now, once separate property is commingled, then you're going to have a burden of proof to show that some portion of the commingled property is directly traceable to the separate property. That can be very difficult. You must also show that the property was not intended to be given to your spouse as a gift. Even then, you're out of luck if the court can't determine the exact portion of such commingled property that is separate. All right, just pounding this horse one more time. If you inherit money and deposit the inheritance into a joint account, as I said, that you share with your spouse, those funds will become marital property. If you borrowed money from family and used it to benefit you and your spouse, those funds would become marital property. Virginia, like many states, have presumptions based on what people do. Virginia law treats debts much the same as property for purposes of equitable distribution. Marital debts are included in the overall marital estate to be divided, while each party will be responsible for their own separate debts. Under Virginia law, all debt incurred by either party after the date of the marriage and before the date of separation is presumed to be marital, regardless of whether the debt is in the name of both parties or only in one party's name. Now, if one party can prove that a debt was incurred in whole or in part for a non-marital purpose, the court can designate that debt as the separate property 
of the party who incurred it. Here's an example. During the marriage and before the final separation, the husband runs up $10,000 on a Macy's charge card in his name alone. Under Virginia law, that entire debt is presumed to be marital, meaning it will be included in the marital state for purposes of equitable distribution, meaning the wife would have to pay half. However, if the wife can prove that the husband charged the $10,000, not for the benefit of the home, but on gifts for his mistress, well, as you'd expect, then the court will classify the entire debt as husband's separate property, meaning the wife will not have to contribute anything towards its repayment. In any case, it's always going to be up to a judge to classify property as separate, marital, or hybrid. These classifications are considered finding of facts in a court, meaning that if you believe the judge made a mistake, your burden on appeal would be to show that a judge's decision was plainly wrong or unsupported by the evidence. Let's get to the big one, the biggie, the elephant in the room, the marital home. The marital home is often the most valuable property to address in a divorce. One specific question that often arises regarding the home is what happens to the money that you or your spouse used to make a down payment on the marital home when you divorce? This question becomes particularly interesting when one spouse paid the down payment out of their own separate property. Well, again, there's no answer to this. This is just evidence that's going to come in and the judge is going to make a decision. Here's another one on the home. I owned my house before I got married. Can my spouse get half the house if we divorce? Okay, well, again, like the law, in many areas of, of human endeavor, the answer is maybe. All property of the husband and wife is considered marital property. This means that even property brought into the marriage by one person becomes marital property that will be split in half in a divorce. However, the court does not have to give each spouse half the property. If one spouse owned the house before the marriage and the other spouse has not contributed to the house, such as making payments or repairs, the court might decide that the house sh should not be split between the two spouses. An aside, when I got married, I owned my home. Then I got married. And one of the very first things I did was retitle the property so that it had my wife's name on it. So if, God forbid, she decides she doesn't love me anymore and she gives me the boot, which I'm hoping is not going to happen, that house is going to be marital property because even though she didn't contribute to the down payment and mostly uh, during the course of our wonderful sensational marriage, are you listening to me, sweetheart? Um, she's contributed nothing financially. She is the one who has taken care of many of the things in our home and I don't have to get into my personal stuff. But anyway, the very fact that I put the, the house in her name as well as mine goes to show that it was intended to be marital property. The last thing I want to hit before I say goodbye to you for today is a concept called marital waste or dissipation of assets. A spouse who misuses or deliberately disposes of marital property to purposely deprive the other spouse of their share upon divorce has committed marital waste or dissipation of assets. The court has the authority to consider such behavior 
in making an equitable distribution. So what does that mean? That means, let's say that the one of the spouses has a gambling problem and takes $50,000 out of a joint checking account and goes to the gambling casino and loses it all. Well, in that situation, the court isn't just going to be left with what's left in the bank account to divide equitably between the spouses. The court is going to impute the $50,000 loss of those bank account funds to the husband and divide the uh, the property from there, uh, taking perhaps uh, other assets of the husband and applying them to that uh, marital waste, as they call it. All right. Well, there was a lot of information here. I hope that uh, I hope that you never have a situation where you're going to need to to know any of this. But again, this is pretty cool water cooler stuff, isn't it? You can say, hey, I heard that attorney on that legal merry-go-round podcast, and he said, and I hope you get it right. But if you don't, obviously, you're not legal malpractice a, a candidate, but you do always want to talk about the possibility of referring a friend or a loved one. If they're in a divorce situation and they have a lot of assets and property together, make sure they go get a lawyer. This is the end of this edition of Marital Mondays on the Legal Merry-Go-Round. Avoid the downs, savor the ups, have a great week. I hope you're going to join me on Wednesday when I have my Wrongdoer Wednesday edition of the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I'll be talking about something relating to some criminal activity, which you should also avoid, by the way. Have a good couple of days. Thanks for your ear. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.